Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Campionato di calcio italiano. Everybody and welcome back. Not for the final time, but for the final time in normal circumstances. Um, I say normal. Does that apply anymore to the Forza Italian Football Podcast? As always, I am your host Connor Clancy, and I'm joined by two people who are very, very tired at opposite ends of the day. Kev Pogelski, it's the end of your day, like it is mine. You look and sound tired. How are you? I'm a little tired, a little drunk. Let's. Oh, okay. uh, Let's throw that out there straight away. Um, yeah, uh, it'll probably become apparent, won't it? I mean, although with you, I'm not so sure it's that easy to differentiate. Um, tired for it being the beginning of his day down in Australia is Vito Doria. Vito, good morning. Morning, Connor. Um, lucky you just said morning because uh, the word good morning probably doesn't apply the most <laughs> at the moment. And why would that be, Vito? Would it be because there's going to be a Derby della Lanterna in Serie A again next season? Yeah, well, that's the that's one reason, actually. Yeah, so, yeah, um, Genoa staying up is one of those reasons. Well, look, we'll, we'll dive right into it, because I know Kev is very, very happy that Genoa stayed up. They obviously needed to better Lecce's result on the final day of Serie A, which has just concluded. And they did exactly that by thumping Hellas Verona 3-0 at the Marassi. And, it, I mean, it was never really in doubt once this game kicked off because they were 3-0 up at halftime, 2-0 up after 25 minutes. And, Kev, I suppose you've got to take your hats off to them and say, well done. Yeah, well, last week um, you asked for predictions and I said that I thought Genoa would lose, but um, Lecce would only draw against Parma. 
So, yeah, when I walked through my door uh, this evening to see Genoa, I think two goals ahead of that time. Um, for, for all of us saying, like, last week, they sort of let themselves down to actually go out and get the result they needed. You know, because I think if we'd been sat here and we'd been talking about them being uh, safe through kind of other teams not doing anything to relegate them, whereas, you know, they've taken the ball by the horn tonight, they've won the game, Again, it's sort of that stage of the season where you could argue how important has it been to Verona. So I'm not saying there's a lack of effort on the Verona's, Verona's side, but there's probably more riding on them for Genoa. But they've still got to go out there. They've still got to win the game, keep themselves safe. So, yeah, I'd, you give them credit for that. Yeah, as much credit as you're going to give them, you do also have to say it is a bit disappointing, Vito, right, that we've got this on the other side, Hellas Verona, who have been fantastic all season. They finished in the top half, having just come up from Serie B. And to put in a shift like this on the final day of the season, I mean, the exact contrast was in Lecce, where Parma, in a similar position with nothing to play for, scored four goals against Lecce. So it was disappointing that Verona didn't really show up for this one. Yeah, definitely. I think that the... Injury to Kumbula has played its part, but putting that aside, uh, I also thought um, that uh, deep inside, uh, regardless of what uh, Ivan Juric said a few days ago, I reckon the Las Verona coach probably still has a bit of sentiment towards Genoa, having played for them, and although he was sacked three times by them, he still was the coach, so I think uh, in his heart of hearts, he probably still wanted uh, the Griffone to stay up. Oh, God. I don't know what to say to that. I'm not going to put my <laughs> feelings behind that, Kev. I saw you raised your eyebrows when Vito started going down that path. Is that well, something you'd it, agree with? It, it sounded like he was going down some form of conspiracy theory that uh, Verona had allowed Genoa to win. But um, I don't know. It's, I think it's just, it is really hard. These, um, you know, the end of the season, I, I think when we eventually talk about the top end of the season, the, the results over the last few weeks, once a lot of things are sort of done and dusted and positions are organised, I think just subconsciously you kind of down tools. And I've said before, it's been such a long season, um, you know, and a, and, a, and a weird season, an odd season. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think that Verona would have prepared any less than they have for any other game. Um, I, I at least not like to think, uh, like to think so. Uh, you would definitely not like to think so. I, you always see this with Serie A as well, people pop up on Twitter if, if a team with nothing to play for lose on the last day of the season people pretend as if that's something that only ever happens in Italian football and it's really shady while they, they don't point to the contrasting <laughs> examples of Parma yeah well you, you know there's there's in, in every league uh, you've got situations where even sort of mid-season teams that have got um, you know a cup game or something against a lesser side and they either play a weakened side in that game or maybe the week before and nobody really sort of bats an eyelid you know clubs don't don't get fined for uh you know putting a weak weakened team out whereas at the end of the season it kind of just happens anyway because of you know people have got 
you know, look at look at Juventus and and the like at the last couple of games this year. But um, yeah, I don't I don't really sort of buy into that whole teams playing weaker sides and the advantage it gives. At the end of the day, you've got a squad of maybe 22, 25 players that you are paying to be professional footballers, and they should be able to step in, you know, to a to a, 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 a even a lesser extent. That that's what their job is. Cav, I'll stick to you because it's something we we'll stick with you, not to you. That would be something altogether different. But it's something we were discussing while we were waiting for, for Mr. Doria to get his coffee in. But are Genoa underachieving in recent seasons? Is there a risk that they're going to become like uh, jokingly, so half jokingly said they're basically the new Kiev, but they finished 17th the last two seasons. And then two seasons before that, they finished 16th as well. I mean, this is a team that should be doing more. I think part of the problem, you know, I, like so. Let's just say from the off, they probably are underachieving, given the the level of support they've got. Um, I think they kind of suffer a little bit in a similar way to Torino, whereas there's a history there for the club, and there's obviously probably a desire, even if it was like a one-off. You know that they, well, you know, look at what they did. Was it two thousand and nine, two thousand and eight, when you know they they had that run to Europe under Gasparini? Um, and there's that desire to get back to where they once was. But when, but when we're talking about once was, we are talking a significant time ago. And they've now, you know, they're, they're just not that side anymore. But they they probably should be doing better than every single season, just scrapping around for their Serie A survival. Mm, they definitely shouldn't. I suppose, Vito, it's something that you've spoken about on the pod before, but not for quite a while. Um, it's quite obvious where the blame lies for Genoa's current situation, isn't it? Oh, certainly. I mean, it's uh, easy to blame Enrico Preziosi, the president, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's the truth. Uh, the Genoa fans absolutely loathe him, and they've had uh, the banners or the striscioni um, showing that they want him out or that he's not someone that cares about the club. They always say, you know, it's the fans that matter the most. Uh, uh, he will always, you know, he's, he'll have his time. So um, I think with his kind of uh, modus operandi, it shows that you know, it's really just for short-term fixes. I mean, he's only there just to sort of make sure he makes money out of the club and... Uh, he won't be able to sort of generate a significant project with them. So at this stage, uh, uh, the Griffone will just be making up the numbers. Aside from when Gasparini was there, there hasn't really been a time that Genoa has looked like they can really sort of push for Europe or at least avoid the drop. Uh, in the case of Preziosi, um, it's his instability that's probably contributing to these uh, relegation drops. I don't know if he expects coaches to be like Gus Barini or he overestimates the value of the squad. So I think a lot of uh, Rosso Blue fans have uh, have the right to be disappointed with him. And uh, even if uh, the glory days of the early 20th century are long gone, even if uh, 
they were able to do something like what they did in the early 90s when they finished fourth in the 1990-91 season and then reached the semi-finals of the then UEFA Cup. I think for them, they would be more than happy with that because it's still a lot better than what they're doing now. Kev, you're quite happy that you have a chance of going to the Derby next season, though? Well, yeah, I, I think that was probably my overwhelming feeling was, oh, OK, we get another... Uh, another derby della lanterna and actually i think that's good for you know i think i mentioned this last last pod that i think that's good for for syria because it is still one of the uh the sort of standout occasions maybe not fixtures or um entertaining games because they can be uh interesting to say the least or you know lackluster um but yeah so really pleased that i get the chance to go because my trip was cancelled this year because of the pandemic but um it is kind of uh half-hearted because i'm not actually sure when we'll get back in stadium yeah it's true it is still very very much a mystery but um Genoa did stay up which means that Lecce are gone back down to Serie B they, they got two consecutive promotions and i suppose the step to Serie A proved just that one step too far Vito you sad to see the back of them look i'm a little bit disappointed that they've gone down because they have had the moments to be honest uh, there have been some games where they've been able to get some surprise results like the 1-1 draw at home to Juventus uh, they also drew to Inter at home they drew 2-2 away to AC Milan so they've managed to get some good results uh, here and there unfortunately they they had this particular run where they were conceding at least four goals a game. And also there was the 7-2 loss at home to Atalanta. So in the case of the Salentini, I think the defence was just far too weak, leaky and vulnerable for Serie A. So uh, there were moments that in general they looked like they could play some good football and really shock people and even, you know, uh, Liberani's tactics, I don't think they were uh, the worst, but uh, ultimately, I think uh, the next time that they come up to Serie A, they need to really improve on the back line. Vito, was it just a quality thing then? Because Liberani, that, and I'm kind of, I don't know if guilty is the right word, but I do fall into this as well, where I kind of uh, absolve him of all blame. But, I mean, he is setting up this team who conceded 85 goals. Is it just that he didn't have good enough players? He still needs to shoulder some of the responsibility because, well, he's, he stuck to his formation, which I don't think is the worst thing. And he did experiment with a 3-5-2 or 5-3-2, but uh, you know, I still don't think uh, uh, that really changed too much. Uh, yeah, more than it, one thing... Well, Lucioni, okay, he had a few good games, but it was still quite error-prone. And most and the other defenders like Meccariello and and the others, they, look, even them, you know, they might have the decent game here and there, but other times they were vulnerable. And uh, the fullbacks, Calderoni, I think, was better as an offensive threat than what he was in providing defensive cover. And... Donati, look, he's had his experience in the German Bundesliga, back in Italian football. Again, with him, 
if he had a good game, might have been something to do offensively, defensively, maybe okay at moments. But um, I think a lot of those guys just really haven't been in Serie long enough. If we're going to talk about them as individuals, they haven't got that sort of experience specifically in Serie And maybe that was part of their downfall. Cavaletta did score 52 times, which is actually the 12th best attack in Serie A, but conceding 85 goals. I mean, it's more than two goals every game. They're just giving their forwards too much work to do there, right? Yeah, and I think when, um, you know, Vito speaks about how they were set up and, and you allude to the, you know, was it just a quality issue? I think that kind of points to where it's those individual mistakes you know, it might not, not might not necessarily be the 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 lack of individual quality across the team, although it's clearly there. But that how how damaging sort of individual errors can be that then will lose you games, um, or even if it's at the other end of the pitch and it's like uh, individual errors. You know, when when we're talking about finishing, that you can't get over the line in some fixtures, and um, yeah, probably can't be resolved without a sort of influx of cash and then you're sort of you're 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 on that tightrope between staying in Syria and, and being relegated. Those two games that we've discussed were obviously the the two games on Sunday evening that meant the most because they were the only games really that had anything real riding on them coming into this round of fixtures obviously um, Brescia and Spa had already been confirmed as relegated. The European places had already been confirmed. It was just that one relegation spot that was um, left. So we're going to finish the podcast. It, no, we're not going to finish the podcast here, Kev. I saw your eyes light up. You're not quite off the hook yet. But uh, I suppose we'll, we'll go through the rest of the fixtures very, very briefly because they didn't mean all that much. But at the top, it was there was a straight shootout for second place in Bergamo. But Atalanta didn't bring any bullets in their gun and they were 2-0 down, Kev, before the game had even really started. Yeah, so first thing I'd say, you know, as you sort of were leading into this and I know Alistair McKenzie um, said said this on, online on, on social media. This was, in, in another year, this was the, a great set of games that could have really finished the season off. But there was just not enough riding on it. And then when we move on to Atalanta, you sort of allude to the fact they went they went one nil down within the first minute, and you were quite scathing of Gallini, and uh, I you know I had to watch it this morning, so I watched the game back, and, and actually I blame Goosens, Goosens, however we're pronouncing that. Um, he ran, he sort of he he notices that uh, I think it was Jim City was kind of slightly in advance of Lukaku, so wasn't going to win the header because he was too far in front of him. And he seems to leave his man, who was the Ambrosio, and 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 then sort of take Galini out at the same time. But once they once once Inter went ahead, um, Atalanta just looked a little sluggish. Probably again been a long season. They've got other things to worry about. That being Champions League, and um, yeah, it was a really uh, un-Atalanta performance at times. It's not the Atalanta that everyone thinks have been appearing for the last two, three weeks, but it is exactly the Atalanta that have been appearing for the last two, three weeks. Because since the Juve game, this is the way Atalanta have been playing. I've been saying it for quite a while. They've been dead on their feet. 
here in Parma was the most obvious example obvious example of that before this Inter game. But I mean, Vita, we also saw it against Sampdoria, against Verona, and I can't remember who the other game was against now, but it was present there too. Um, and I suppose now the priority has been for quite a while to just get a little bit of rest in and come back fully charged for that Champions League quarterfinal against PSG. Hopefully it's uh, been uh, beneficial to sort of, uh, well, I want to say take it easy, but they have looked lethargic. But uh, certainly if they can draw their focus more into the Paris Saint-Germain game, I, I'm hoping for their sake that it is uh, to the advantage because uh, that is realistically the only trophy. Well, now it's the only trophy they can go for, but uh, I think with the Champions League position for next season sealed up a few games ago, um, there wasn't really much point for Atalanta to really play the full throttle football. Uh, the record they could have really added is to see if they were able to score over 100 in a league campaign, but that's that would have been nothing more. And also with uh, Josip Ilicic not featuring in the Champions League games, I think it's important that some of the extra players, you know, like Luis Muriel, Ruslan Malinovsky, and... Hopefully, if he can come good again, Mario Pasalic can get that extra game time and uh, make some sort of contribution on the pitch. Yeah, I should take a moment to send our best wishes to Josip Ilicic, obviously going through some some personal issues at the moment. There have been a lot of rumours swirling around, most of which seem pretty unsubstantiated. So we're not going to propel any of those any further because, again, they could have just been completely fabricated. We don't know. But... Yeah, Gasparini said after that game, Kev, that it's a it's a defeat that will serve Atalanta well because he'd rather have lost that than to lose against PSG. And I suppose he has a point. It's it's something of a wake up call, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah I think it it will focus the minds a little. Um, I, I do think that almost once you've achieved your objective, and you know, let's let's face it, Atalanta's objective domestically was probably qualification for the Champions League. And then once there was the very slim hopes of the, the, the toy to out the window that because of because of the Champions League becoming coming at the end of this campaign and because of the very quick turnaround that we're expecting before the next season campaign um starts, this almost becomes um the the beginning of pre season almost. So, you know, I mean, Gasparini's probably saying that to try and give off the the image that they're, they're not sort of, uh, not down tools. Yeah, they're not the sort of slowing up with that Champions League ca- campaign in mind because, you know, nobody wants to see that. There's a little bit of professional pride, I think. And more so particularly like, like um, Saturday evening when you're playing at home because I think, um, you know, with fans in the stadium, whoever we support, when you've reached that objective for the season, there's something about watching your side play a weakened side or putting less effort in in the last sort of two or three games when you're away from home, as opposed to whether you're you're, you're at home, um, you know, because you want to maintain whether it's a, a a winning run at home or an unbeaten run at home, um, or you're you know you're in a stadium, we'll hopefully get back round to uh, full of fans, but. Um, yeah, the, the focus is very much of, 
on uh, on Champions League. And whatever Gasparini is telling the press, I don't think the players will be pay- paying too much notice because within the camp, they 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 probably understand what the um, what the aim is now for the remainder of the season. Looking at the table, Atalanta finished third with seventy eight points. Just six defeats all season. Only one team lost fewer games than Sarriad on them. And it's not Juve. Juve lost seven. Inter lost the fewest games with just four. They finished second, just one point behind Juve in the end, Vito. But is that a statistic that, I mean, it looks better than the reality actually was because of the way the season ended? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I mean, in some ways it does, but uh, as I said in uh, previous pod editions, that uh, Inter looks like from the second half of the season onwards, I don't think they were as convincing as they were in the first half. And probably in the first half of the season, they still looked like they were the unfinished product. You were, though, since the return of Serie A after the pandemic, they've probably looked worse for wear. So I do think that, uh, in hindsight, maybe one point, maybe not the best reflection of how far ahead Juventus had been and also how much Lazio have really dropped off since uh, Serie A's return. And that being said, though, when I, if I was to look at certain games for what they are, I just sometimes wonder if Inter were able to get better results in those or they did not squander those games in the manner they did. And the defeat to Bologna is one of them. Um, maybe Inter would have... Uh, got the title instead, but uh, I do think that they too are trying to build and I think uh, they're still a work in progress. They could get better. I do think we've got to say, take some sort of encouragement from it though, right? I mean, look at the table. 
Juve finished just five points ahead of fourth place. Uh, I mean, Lazio, Atalanta and Inter, if when we look back at this season in years to come, we will think, oh, wow, there was a, a four-horse title race there, which was never really the reality. But at times in the last two months, each of those other three teams were mentioned as potential Scudetto winners. So I think it is progress. Definitely progress. Kev, though, if you're an Inter fan, how are you feeling right now? Because, I mean, Antonio Conte, he's, he's been in the job a year and he's already at it again, moaning that this time, what is it that the players and, and him and his staff were being attacked from everywhere and the club didn't back them and they were being attacked and they need the support of the club. So the achievement is his and his players and nobody else's. And it's just, it's a dangerous path to go down and he did add that it's he's not referring to transfers either yeah i couldn't i was i was reading those comments um this morning i couldn't quite understand where he was coming from he always he he does seem to be a coach that always has something to moan about or you know deflecting blame um you know in in a into an area where he wants i think i think actually if if you're an inter fan you you, you have to feel relatively positive about the way the season's seasons panned out certainly in comparison to previous years um i think you mentioned that that the final table is probably not going to reflect actually how how far away though some of those sides were from juventus but actually if we look at it it's interchanged them at the start of the season lazio was sort of right on their tails up until the the lockdown so, although I don't, I know the last few weeks it didn't sort of pan out as close as what it's finished. I think, I think it's what you say. It's really, really positive that that we have had that run in Italy this year. And if 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 he cannot be so reliant on the same lots, you know, a lot of players, and he stays because again we've seen rumours that Conte could potentially depart for a certain Mister Allegri. Um, Inter could 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 have a, a good go at challenging next year. Yeah, uh, Vito, do you put much into that the the Allegri talk, or is it just an easy link to make? More than anything, I reckon it's an easy link. The only way I can see Conte not having the job next season if he resigns because he's just such he's had such a massive dummy spit. But I think when the money is on and so forth, I think uh, he'd probably want to stay in the job and trying to keep building that team because if he did decide to leave, where's he going to go and who's going to be paying the wages he's getting at Inter? So the reported figures were €10 million a season. Who else is going to be that willing to give him that money, regardless if it's in Italy or at another European club? Uh, I just can't see it, so... Think, stick to what he's got with the Nerazzurri and build upon it. Otherwise, I think he might end up regretting it. I'm pretty sure um, Luciano Spalletti's contract as well is actually technically still running until 2021. So bringing in another coach might be a little bit complicated to, to pay a third on top of that. I'm not sure if Spalletti was, if an agreement was found with him in the end. But as far as I'm aware, his contract is still there they can just bring spalletti back then yeah there you go well that's why he's not taking another job right because he's still being paid by by inter so 
Um, that would be fun, wouldn't it? Get Spalletti back then after Spalletti, go back to Mancini. Then, I don't know, where do you go after that? Benitez? Uh, well, Mourinho will be out of a job by then, I imagine. <laughs> He'll be out of a job twice by then, I, I suppose. Um, okay, Lazio, they lost 3-1 in Naples to Napoli, obviously. But Kev Chiromobile, he got his goal. He levelled Gonzalo Higuain's 36-goal record. But um, a considerable number of them were penalties. Does that take something away from, from his achievement? Um, I, I think as a football romantic, it probably does for me a little. But, you know, it, it is still, you know, if you, if you consider how long the record stood for before Higuain, um, said it was, you know, the sort of gunner Nordal record for 35. Um, it is still a phenomenal amount of goals. Um, I think I probably saw that and thought because it had stood for so long, I didn't really want somebody else breaking it, so I'm kind of glad he only got one rather than two. Uh, but at least this goal wasn't, wasn't a penalty. Um, it's still a great season for him. You just, um, I don't know. He leaves he leaves a little he leaves you a little empty when he's not sort of managed to sort of replicate some of that form on an international stage. Um, so hopefully next season with the Champions League he can he can finally do that with Lazio. His goal this evening was very very good. We will delve into his form and Lazio season a little bit more um, in the overall season review, which is to come at some point later in the week to be confirmed. Stick with us, Vito. Juve lost 3-1 against Roma. Diego Perotti scored twice. Nikola Kalinic scored. And so did Gonzalo Higuain. Um, not to disrespect Higuain in particular, but does that list of goal scorers show what this game was? It was essentially a dead rub, and both teams really had uh, transitional squads or reserve squads. So... Um, Definitely not one to read uh, too much into, but yeah, just for the game as it was, Roma just happened to have the better day. Um, at least they can have the bragging rights of saying that uh, they managed to beat Juventus at home this season. And uh, I think for anyone to beat Juventus in Turin is still something that they can proudly boast, especially with uh, the records that Juve hold. Yeah, it is quite a nice um, cap in their feather, I suppose. The only team to beat them inter in this season. But yeah, there you go. Kev, Milan ended the season on a high with a 3-0 win. Latin Ibrahimovic scored again, as did one of your former friends, Ragnar Klavan, obviously an own goal for Cagliari. And Samu Castillejo got the third in the 57th minute. Um, bright end to the season, I think Milan were the were Serie A's best side since the restart, ahead of even Atalanta in second. So it's it's promising. There are some signs there, some positivity for them to build on for next season. Yeah, loads of signs of positivity. And I think actually again this this short break that we're gonna have between seasons um can can hopefully mean that they can carry that on, maybe a few additions before uh, start of next year. And um we can we can hopefully see a competitive Milan for the good of the rivalry in the city and Syria as a whole. Fingers crossed. Did you see Ibra's goal, by the way? Um, I <laughs> I didn't did see him. Like, oh yes, he just he just uh, he, he, 
It was quite good, actually, because, well, I was going to give some praise to Theo Hernandez, who, who drove all the way forward from fullback. I think he passed it over across to Casaleo, who, who then slipped Ibrahim and he just absolutely thumped it. But, you know, the, the one, the, the, the memory from the game really is that, that Ragnar Klavan own goal where he, he couldn't really do anything about it, but it was, it, it was almost comical where it sort of just came off his shin and then just went in. And it's always the slow-mo when you see the look on the defenders or the player's face when he knows that he can do absolutely nothing with where the ball's going to end up. Yeah, we saw the same thing in that left again with Parmos. I think it was their opener or the second. I can't remember. I think it was their opener when uh, Lucioni turned it in. But one of the, the big points from this game happened after it, actually, which was Giacomo Bonaventura. Uh, someone I have a lot of affection for, Vito, he's played his final game for Milan it seems he, he doesn't have a contract did seem like they were going to resolve something at points but wasn't to be he said his goodbyes he was in tears on the pitch and I tweeted it earlier this afternoon that he, he's a person who has a character and as a footballer probably deserved more than he's been given over the last five six years he's probably been one of the few Rossoneri players that's been well, I wouldn't say consistently, but he's been there for that time. And it's been one of uh, Milan's uh, darker periods or more embarrassing periods, yet uh, he's probably someone at his best, probably produced some of uh, his best individual performances with them. Uh, he showed that, you know, he was uh, versatile, that he could play out on the left wing or on the left side of a midfield trio. And he chippy with some goals and some volatile assists so I think uh, he is someone that probably could have had maybe a couple more years with Milan even if it meant coming on as a impact player off the bench so yeah probably a bit disappointing in that regard but um, I suppose that you know if he can go elsewhere and make a impact at another club I still think he's got maybe one or two more years left in him. And, I'd agree. Uh, the talent how he there. came back from injury, right? And he, he's a player who's already re-adapted his game. He was a winger and a 10 with Atalanta. Now he's a very different type of midfielder for Milan. And given how he came back from injury this season and still delivered some pretty impressive performances, you would hope that wherever he goes next, he can, he can have an important role. Fiorentina then beat... Spal away on the final day. Spal finished the season bottom on just 20 points. Fiorentina finished the season in some good form, Kev. And that form was so good, apparently, that uh, Beppe Iacchini earned himself a new contract, which he's confirmed as staying on next season. Is he the type of coach you want being responsible for the development of Federico Chiesa, Gaetano Castrovilli, Patrick Cutrone, attacking talent and being in charge of Frank Ribery? In a word, and actually, yeah. in all this time, no. <laughs> um, okay, well, tell us yeah. why in more than one word. I, I, I don't, I, you know, I think you've got to look. You know, we've had two, two, two wins on the bounce, but you've got to look at the overall performances since he came in. That they, they've really not. They've been inconsistent. They've been, you know, so how they're making a judgment based on that—that that this is the person or the coach to take them forward is just beyond me. Um, obviously, there's there's an element to this where you look at what they've done previously, um, where there's all sort of fanfare around someone coming in and they buy numerous 
individual talents that never really sort of fit the fit the side. Uh, so I think in a in contrast to Milan, although they've had sort of a, a little run of wins now and they confirm the coach for next season, um, if I was a Fiorentina fan, I would take no confidence in that it's going to be any different and up and up and down inconsistent season next year. I'd be so disheartened by it, to be honest. You think, right, they've solidated again, they've stayed up, which is crazy that we're even talking about them celebrating survival when they've got the players that I just mentioned in that team, particularly Ribéry this season. Um, but yeah, Yakini, I mean, Vito, I'm sure, I know your opinion on football well enough to know that, well, to assume you're not someone who thinks Yakini is the right man for this? For, for a club like Fiorentino, no. I do like Yakini in general, largely because he did coach uh, for some time and he brought us back into Serie A. But uh, for... And uh, look, with Yakini, he actually does have a knack of developing strikers and quite a few decent Serie A strikers have... Uh, come under his tutelage. But if we're looking about the team as a whole and trying to develop a football philosophy or identity, he's not your guy. He's a guy that you need for a quick fix. His teams are about working hard, being solid, especially defensively. And uh, the likes of Castrovilli and Chiesa in particular, and then there's also the other starlet on the bench, Sotil, they need a guy who actually has some sort of a ideo- football ideology or a strategy that's going to help enhance their talents, development, and also make sure that the whole team is greater than the sum of its parts because uh, Yakini's never been that kind of guy. He's not a coach that you'd bring in for a long-term project. And, uh, yeah, I do fear a bit that it will impact on Chiesa's development in particular as a player. If he's going to stay, I suppose, right? But a lot of people were saying, oh, it makes sense because a new coach won't have time to implement his ideas in this mini preseason. But he's going to be out of the job by January, so the next coach is going to have even less time while the season is currently ongoing to, to try and implement his ideas. I just don't see it ending in any way other than Fiorentina hiring a new coach in December or January, unfortunately, because they've got some raw ingredients there that could go on to be special. We spoke about Christian Kwame as well recently. Alfred Duncan, really good players, um, or potentially really good players, who need to be in a, a system that allows them to be good. I don't think Yakini setups really accommodate for that. Elsewhere, Brescia Sampdoria finished 1-1, game that mattered little to either side. Uh, what else happened? Bologna-Torino 1-1, a game that mattered little to either side, and Sassuolo lost 1-0 to Udinese in a game that you got it, nobody really cared about. So, that is all of the matches we're going to talk about, and I think we're going to do a game to finish off, guys. But I've got a surprise for you both. We've, um, I, I say we, I, I mean I, have taken the decision to go back to the old game because it's a lot easier for me, basically. And I didn't really like the other one. I mean, it was good, but I think we need to 
put some more thought into that one if we're going to continue with it. But for the last game of this season, Kev, you look so happy. Um, we will revert to the old who am I game. How are you feeling, Kev? I'm all right. The, the wife has joined me, so she's now here in the game for the first time. Oh, is she? Uh, she might be better than you at it, to be honest, because you're a disaster uh, at this one. Possibly. Yeah. Mace, do you want to play instead of Kev? Depends what the game is. Just, so she doesn't even know what the game is. I don't know Just what the say game random is. footballers' names. You can't be much worse than Kev, to be honest. But Kev, she can help you if you want. Okay, she can right. uh, she can memorise the uh, the questions that, that we get wrong. The only clue I'm going to give is it's a player she might have heard of before. <laughs> might have. But, uh, right, the rules are Vito goes first, right? Because Vito is the, uh, the, the constant winner because you're <laughs> awful. So uh, we'll revert to the old scores. The, the scores in this game are is 3-1 to Vito. In the other game, Vito's 2-0 up. So it's 5-1 altogether. But we'll just count the scores from this current game. So it is 3-1 to Vito. Vito, you're first. You know the rules. You ask questions. The answers must be yes or no. If the answer is yes, you continue asking questions. If the answer is no, the other person starts asking questions. Um, pretty straightforward? Yes. Okay, right. Well, that, does that mean I get to keep asking questions? Because you answered yes. Haha. <laughs> right. Okay, so, Mr. Doria, take it away. Is this player Italian? The player is not Italian, no. Nope. Uh, do they play for a side that have qualified for Europe? Ah, do you know what? No, they don't play for a side that have qualified for Europe. Does this player play for one of the relegated sides? They do not play. Play for a relegated side. Okay. I love uh, this game so much. This game is so much better than the other one. Oh, no, it really, it really, really is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do they play? It's because you've thrown me saying that Stace might know this person. Um, Stop thinking about it. I'm just trying to get in your head, haven't I? Do, you, do they play in Emilia Romagna? Kev, you've got a question, right? They do. Okay. Uh, a question, right? That doesn't make sense, but you know what I mean. They do play in Emilia Romagna. Yes. Okay. So, do they play for Parma? Ah, you, you've done that, haven't you? They do not play for Parma. Uh, okay. Mr. Doria. Okay. Does this player play for Spal? The player does not play for Spal. Oh, wait. Uh, Kev, because you you've got a big really... chance here now. I was meant to say... Another right. club, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why well, did Spock come out of my mouth? I was going to say, because we've I've established they're not a relegated All player. right, your turn, Kev. So, um, are they an attacker? They're not an attacker. I don't oh. know why you did that, to be no, honest. I don't know why I do a lot in my life. I'm sure the person in the room with you agrees with that as well. Um, no, they're not an attacker. Okay, I'm going to ask the question I was meant to ask. Does this player play for Sassuolo? Yeah, I knew that was the question you were supposed to ask, and they do play for Sassuolo. See, that's yes. where I was anyway, and I was thinking <laughs> Ferrari, but anyway. There is another club in Emilia Romagna, though, Kev. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, yeah. so Sassuolo player, a foreigner. Um, We've not okay. established the nationality, have we? Oh, yeah, uh, we did. Yeah, because I asked. 
I asked if. And I'll write that down. I still missed it. And I was going to still say Berardi if I'd got. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, All right. So not an attacker. Oh, God. Ooh, that's a tricky one. Okay. Look, I'm just going to ask, is this player a midfielder? The player is a midfielder. I get it right, will you? Foreign midfielder. Okay. Um, did this player play for Sampdoria? Yeah, they did play for Sampdoria, so you're going to get it with your next question. Okay. I imagine. All right, so Pedro Obiang. The, the player is Pedro Obiang, yes. Um, Kev, the reason I thought that Stace might know the player is because, obviously, they, they played for West Ham, so maybe you've seen him oh. in the flag. Um, but, uh, Yeah. I've probably seen him in the fresh, but we don't watch Premier League football, really. You go to... Oh, okay, right, yeah, but you've probably seen him at Anfield before. Yeah, I've I've probably seen him play against Liverpool, but I don't watch a lot of Premier League. I'm just glad you didn't ask me um, his nationality, because usually if a player has dual nationality, I go with the nationality of the, the country they have played for, but he has represented Spain at underage level and he plays his first team football for Equatorial Guinea so I was a bit nervous about getting asked that question but thanks guys unlucky I'll just add the score on so Vito is taking a 4-1 lead um, but I, I say lead that's it Vito has won 4-1 because... yeah, <laughs> yeah he, well, I could never win so I don't even know why we just played this game <laughs> well, I don't know what you mean what well, you know, I suppose like Juventus, I've had to turn up for the last few games of the season, even though there's nothing riding on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but you you couldn't have won the other game either, because you were 2-0 down in that. <laughs> no, well, OK, like Juve, I'm turning up drunk for pods that don't really matter anymore. <laughs> I mean, you got that right. The first 15 minutes of this pod were probably worth listening to everything after it. <laughs> I don't know, but... I, th- I suppose that's it. It's not quite us finished for the season because we do have the season review pod to come. Um, but as far as normal pod structure goes, that's probably it until... I mean, it's going to be about three weeks, isn't it? <laughs> because the season's coming very, very soon. So in normal circumstances, we give a big heartfelt goodbye because we won't speak to you for two or three months. But uh, we'll see you soon enough. Bye, everybody. Ciao, ciao, everyone.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm. 